Thanks, AJ. Wow, applause? <laughs> it's shocking because you've heard me preach before. <laughs> Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5. Man, this is so beautiful and so exciting. What a gorgeous day God's given us. Amen? Man, so grateful. So, uh, if you weren't here last time we did this, um, I gave a short message on the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes, if you're unfamiliar, are these verses in Matthew 5 where Jesus goes up on a mountain and he starts talking. Um, and as he's talking, he keeps saying things like, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, blessed are the meek, etc. And we talked about this word blessed and the Greek word for it. And the word in the Greek is this word markarios. Can you guys say markarios? Yes. And does anyone remember what that term meant? Congratulations. Yeah, it's, it's, you had a cheat sheet above my head for what the word meant. Congratulations. And that's how it was used. You'd have a baby, some say, hey, Markarios, or you'd get a job promotion, Markarios, congratulations, well done. And so it, translating as the word blessed is actually a good translation because we just, in English, don't say, you had a baby, blessed are you. It's just not how we use the word blessed, even though they could be used that way and mean very similar things. So Jesus spends all these verses from 2 to 11 congratulating people. And he's congratulating people for things that maybe you and I would not congratulate people for. He's congratulating people for being poor in spirit. He's congratulating people who are mourning. And, and we go, well, why, why congratulate someone for that? And the answer we came to is that the news of the kingdom of God is so good that it's good news no matter the circumstance, no matter what's going on, we say congratulations, because in the kingdom of heaven, there's a place for you. In the kingdom of heaven, what's wrong will be made new again. If you're mourning, you will be comforted. If you're meek, you're going to inherit the earth, all these things. So today, we're going to continue to look at that passage. So with that word in mind, with Markarios in mind, I'm going to read the Beatitudes, and then we'll dive in. This is Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your words. Thank you for speaking them 2,000 years ago, and thank you that we get to ponder them this morning. And I pray that your spirit would reveal your truths in this passage to us this morning. We love you, Jesus. We love you so much. Help us understand. Amen. So this passage kind of has two bookends, and when you're looking at uh, when you're looking at the Bible and you're looking at Greek passages or Hebrew passages, you're looking for literary tools and devices they'd use to highlight different things. So if you and I want to like mark something in a text message, what do we do? How do you like make make an emphasis with something in a text message? What do you do? All caps. All caps. That is one way to do it. Yep, that might be a generational way to do it. Not telling anyone how old you are. 
Uh, <laughs> uh, emojis, that's another one. Uh, yes, Lincoln? Exclamation points, that's another one. Actually, I don't know about you guys. I use exclamation points too much in my text messages because I feel like periods in a text message are like rude or something. Like if someone sends me a text that says, okay, period, I'm like, I've offended them. <laughs> you know, you've got to do okay with an exclamation point or you're being awful to someone. Uh, in, in Hebrew, what they do is they'd repeat something. And so what we want to do is we want to look for repeated things uh, in these texts to see where different phrases or thoughts or ideas are repeated. And last time we examined this word markarios because it's repeated throughout the passage. But there's another literary structure being used in the Beatitudes that I want to point out today. If you look at verse 3, it said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's present tense. The poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When? Now. Now is the time. Then, uh, four through nine are all future tense. So it says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be. Blessed are the meek, for they will. Blessed are those who hunger, for they will. Blessed are the merciful, for they will, etc. It's all future tense. And if you look at verse 10, it said, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So we have this dichotomy as Jesus is talking about somehow some aspects of the kingdom being present now and other aspects of the kingdom being present later. And theologians call this dichotomy the now but not yet nature of the kingdom. And it's kind of, it's kind of a, a weird thing to approach because you kind of need to grab onto both the now reality of the kingdom of God and the future reality of the kingdom of God with two hands and hold them both at the same time. Which is interesting. For many years, theologians would kind of argue that when Jesus was talking about the kingdom of heaven, he was only talking about the future kingdom, the coming kingdom, one day when all things are made new. The problem is, is that Jesus uses the present tense about half the time when he's talking about the kingdom of God. Half his parables are about the kingdom today and now, about finding the kingdom of God, about pursuing the kingdom of God, about finding a treasure in a field or describing the kingdom of heaven being like a mustard seed that grows and becomes this massive tree. It's present tense. And then he's got all these other parables that are about judgment day, about sorting the goats and the lambs, about judgment, about all things coming together at the end of all days. And so we sit in this tension between the now and not yet nature of the kingdom, and we say, what does this have to do with me? What does this have to do with us today? And for Jesus, the kingdom is now and it's not yet. And the question is, how does what's coming in the future affect my life today? How does what's coming down the road affect my daily experience? And I actually want to go to a story of a guy called Stephen in Acts. So if you turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 7, there is this guy called Stephen. And he was appointed... Uh, by the disciples as a deacon in the church to kind of help oversee uh, giving food to the hungry and caring for orphans and widows. And he was just this stellar guy. But he got in some trouble for proclaiming the good news of Jesus. And it got so bad that they put him on trial. And he went through the entire history of Israel explaining how the summation of the law and the prophets is the person of Jesus. And they really didn't like that. And so I'm going to pick up the story here in verse 7. I'm sorry, chapter 7, verse 54. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged 
and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. That's a euphemism they used, falling asleep for dying. This is, this is a horrible moment. This is an awful moment. I think sometimes I read stories in the Bible like this and just kind of pass over them, like, okay, he got stoned and he died and just kind of move on with my day. But imagine placing yourself in his shoes. Imagine declaring the truth to in front of an angry mob of people who grab you and beat you and march you out of the city screaming at you and then throw you out the door. And, and they're being so violent, they have to take their coats off because of how much they're moving because of how violent they're being with one person. And they start picking up rocks, and their intent is to kill you in front of a crowd. I mean, this is a dark moment. This is really, really tough. This is, this is nothing I would ever want to experience. And, I mean, sometimes uh, we feel persecuted as Christians, right? We were told we'd be persecuted, and we feel that way sometimes. And... All the persecution I faced in my life is nothing compared to this. Nothing. And I want to look at Stephen's response. Verse 55. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Man, what a powerful moment. In the midst of this trial, looking up, and seeing the reigning king of the cosmos. And it gives him so much strength that as they're stoning him, he prays, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. That is otherworldly levels of strength and grace and peace. That's incredible. The power of looking into the heavens and seeing Jesus reigning gives you the strength in that moment when perhaps even friends, even people you've known and loved your whole life are picking up rocks to throw at you in order to kill you to pray for them. Say, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. Don't do it. That's crazy amount of power that's available right now to each of us because of the coming kingdom. Because the reality is we all know the coming kingdom. We know that Jesus is coming one day to make all things new. That Jesus is coming to judge the living and the dead. That Jesus is coming to right what's been broken in this world. And we have so much hope in that day. And it affects our daily lives every day because we walk around with that knowledge as we go about our daily life. There's uh, Paul... By the way, this is the same man that they dropped their coats at his feet just now to stone Stephen. Many years later, wrote this in a letter to the Colossians. 
This is Colossians 3, 2 through 3. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. We set our mind up there with Jesus, him reigning, his rule perfectly. And then we try to parent our kids. Suddenly, like the TV being too loud or I don't know what things set me off, you know, just like random stuff that I'm like, hey, and it's like, oh, sorry. It's it suddenly, it, it's brought into perspective and it gives us so much power and strength in this life here today, right now, that Stephen can be being stoned to death and be so much like Jesus that he's praying for the people that are killing him. He's taking seriously the love your enemies teachings of Jesus. That is the power that's afforded to each of us today because of Jesus in our life. That's the power that lives in us if we've accepted Jesus. Man, it's just, it's just incredible. So now, with that in mind, let's go back to the Beatitudes. I'm going to read 6 through 9, and then we're going to kind of walk through it briefly and just see how this perspective of the now but not yet nature of the kingdom, this hope we have in the kingdom, touches each of our lives today. So verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. We all, deep down, have a longing for justice. We have a longing for righteousness. We have this sense when things are not the way they're meant to be. I, uh, uh, I had someone kick and key my car last month, two months ago, and uh, it's, you know, it was parked in front of my house, and he parked right up on my bumper late at night, and then came out an hour later and thought that I had parked on top of him. So his response was to kick and key my car. Now, I might be very concerned about this, but I drive a like old Honda Civic beater that is, I mean, he can't do anything more to it, right? And I got the whole thing on video. And I got the whole thing on audio. And my neighbor got a picture of his license plate. I don't know about, is anyone else feeling like really satisfied right now? Yeah, feels good, feels good. I walked, I walked in the police station and I told them the whole story and the cop's response was, wow, we might actually solve this one. <laughs> I just literally walked in with a pile of evidence, like, here you go, <laughs> yeah. And, and I think we have that, I mean, that's a kind of funny story, but we have that in so many different cases. We have that in so many different aspects of life. This world is so broken and it's so dark in many places and we know that things are not the way they ought to be and in each human heart we long for things to be made better for things to that are broken to be mended relationships evil industries we, we ask and we cry out for God to move and step in and we walk with the hope that knowing one day he will and that changes how we live today so Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. You know, it's interesting. We all want justice in this world. We all want what's right and good to happen. And we want that for other people. <laughs> when it comes to me, I want mercy for myself. 
I, I want someone to forgive me. Have you guys heard the old story about Napoleon and the soldier's mother? Have you guys heard the story? Okay. There was a soldier, I think he deserted, maybe once or, uh, maybe it was his second offense. That was so graceful. <laughs> it's the most graceful sign fall I've ever seen. Uh, he, Napoleon was gonna sentence this soldier to death because that was the price for his crime. And his mother was there at the trial and his mother begged Napoleon, said, mercy, please Lord, mercy. And Napoleon looked at her and said, he doesn't deserve mercy. And she said, if he did, it wouldn't be mercy. And Napoleon was so moved by her words that he uh, granted mercy on this soldier who deserved death. And that's the gift that's been offered to each of us, is mercy. And what's so beautiful about the kingdom of God, both the now and not yet nature of the kingdom of God, that God's justice and his mercy are perfectly married together in this place. Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. You know, as we were just talking about the darkness of this world, does anyone else feel like it's hard not to get jaded in this world? To assume the worst? I think a part of why Jesus says we have to be like a child to enter the kingdom of heaven is that children are so innocent and have not yet been jaded by the world. Believe the best, hope the best, high expectations about everything. Do you know what my entire goal is before seeing a movie in a movie theater? Is to just plunge my expectations to the bottoms of the earth. Like, <laughs> if you have low expectations, you're just going to enjoy the movie. As, do anyone remember seeing, uh, what is the name of the movie? I think on Stranger Tides. It was like the fifth Pirates of the Caribbean movie. It was awful. And everyone hated the movie. And I had a blast at that movie. Because all I wanted was two more hours of Jack Sparrow doing this. And I got exactly what I paid for. <laughs> but I think, I think that comes from being jaded. It comes from being let down. It comes from a really hard place. And so when verse 8 says, blessed is the pure in heart, they will see God. I think that's actually really encouraging to me. It's encouraging to me about the beauty of the future we have in the kingdom of God with Jesus. And then verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. This is how the work of God is done. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and we carry out his work of peacemaking. And you say, well, how can I bring peace at my job? How can I bring peace while I'm parenting my kids? How can I bring peace at my school? And I just want to encourage you to remember the story of Stephen. His act in that moment of praying for the people who were murdering him, that is the most peace-bringing action he could have taken. And we have that same power in each of us, in every situation we walk into, to be the people of peace, to follow our Lord and Savior Jesus in that. So the kingdom that Jesus is talking about, the now but not yet nature, the future nature, the coming day when all things are made new, that gives me peace today. That gives me peace right now. And beyond that, that gives me hope for a future. 
I think the future hope we have can affect our day-to-day so deeply and so meaningfully. Um, As many of you know, um, maybe two years ago, uh, my wife and I lost twin boys. And um, I genuinely don't know how you can go and continue to live in this world um, with that kind of darkness in your life if you don't have the hope of Jesus and the hope of reunion one day, of coming together, of reuniting, genuinely gives me the energy and joy to put one foot in front of the next every day. And it's that hope that we all have in a future day when all the brokenness in our lives is redeemed. Every broken aspect is made up for, is made new. Something so precious, so valuable will come to pass. And we look forward to that hope and we bring that hope into our hearts today. And we live with that reality over our lives today. So uh, I'm gonna invite the band back up here to worship together and we're gonna spend some time singing and praying. Um, And I just wanna encourage you, uh, we're gonna have our prayer team be back at that light pole at the back If you need prayer for anything, if there's something happening in your life that you just want prayer for happening in a friend's life, uh, to go back and seek someone out and say, hey, can you just pray with me for a sec about this? We've got men and women back there that would love to pray with you. Yeah. And if this hope I'm talking about is something foreign to you, if Jesus isn't your Lord, if and you want to join in his incredible story, you can go to that same poll and talk to someone, and they would love to talk to you about Jesus and his kingdom and his goodness. But for now, let's all stand together and let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you so much, and we live for you. And I pray, Lord, that these incredible beatitudes, these incredible promises of the coming kingdom would be true for us today, that they would be near and dear in our hearts, that as we go back to work or go back to school or whatever we're doing this week, that we would do it all for you, that we would look ahead to the coming day when all things are made new and we would surrender today to you and we would live and bring your peace with us wherever we go because of the coming truth of your kingdom. We love you, Jesus, and our eyes are fixed on you. Amen. Let's worship together.